So as I was thinking of what I was going to bring this evening, um, I'd had a bit of a chat with Jenny and I was on the phone to her and a 10 minute conversation turned into 20, turned into 40, turned into an hour, um, all talking about what I was going to say this evening. Um, and by the end of it, you know, she, she burst into hysterics and said, uh, maybe you might want to cut a few of those points down so you can fit it into half an hour. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I get that. Anyway, so we agreed that maybe it would be an idea that rather than me feeling that all this stuff that I'm kind of wanting to get across to you, because I'm really excited about it, um, we thought maybe a little mini-series might be a, a good idea, which gives you the chance to take what you hear away, let it kind of um, process a little bit, kind of think, think about the thoughts that we're throwing out. But it also gives me the opportunity to not feel like I have to panic to conclude and explain and go off on all these little rabbit trails when actually there is a time for that. But if we're going to kind of set the scene, I can't then jump like through all of the other points that I would love to bring tonight. And if any of you want to stay until midnight or one o'clock, you know, we can happily do that. And I can tell you it all tonight. <laughs> so I thought, okay then. So if we're going to do a little series, then what am I going to call it? So this is the title, and you'll see how it links to the video. The title of the series that I'm going to speak on is called Toxic Whispers. Now, we were talking about social media just a second ago with Danny when he was talking about sharing. Um, I personally prefer Twitter. I tend to tweet a lot. Um, a lot of my friends in America or people who I follow are people who kind of like send out inspiring things that I look at and think, oh, that's a great thought. And it's quite nice because you can only do like a, a small amount of, of words. Um, so if you are someone who tweets during a preach, I know that I am, um, or you write notes and then you find that you really like something and want, again, your friends or your followers to see what it is that we're understanding, then we're going to use the hashtag Toxic Whispers. So if you like something you hear tonight, write it, and then if you just put hashtag Toxic Whispers, then basically we can all see what each other's writing about what's been said, which actually could potentially be quite exciting. So have a go at that if you can tonight. Um, so one of the things I was thinking, I was, I was sat last night watching a little bit of Christian television again, which I'm often told by my dad not to do because it tends to frustrate me, I have to be honest. Um, it made me think of a comment that Brian McLaren, who wrote a new type of Christianity, says. And he says, there is something, an attention between something that is right and something that is radically wrong. And that really is kind of where I'm at in my life at the minute, because I feel more than ever, I feel that there's something very right about all of this. But at the same time, there's something that's radically wrong. Now, you could look and think, oh, that must be an awful place to be. Yes and no. There's a nice part of it, because I believe that tension is one of these things that people misunderstand. Tension can potentially revolutionize your life if you know what to do with it. But if you allow it to destroy you because you believe that something's wrong, then you'll just become totally crushed underneath it. Well, I would like to believe that the tension between these things is actually what's driving me now to allow all that crud to come to the surface, scoop it off and find out what's meant to be there. Does that make sense? Now, when I was watching some of the programs that I was watching last night, um, I, was, I was more sad than I was angry because I know that potentially that's where I 
the thought process that I used to have. And there'd be a statement that was made about the beauty of grace and the beauty of, of oneness and forgiveness. And then in the next breath, it'd be like, you know, basically, if you haven't paid the right amount of tithe, then, you know, you're not on the receiving end of God's blessing. And, and I'm thinking, oh, no wonder people just get so confused because the, the signals that are going out are so contrary to each other. And again, hear my heart here. This is no disrespect of any individual. This is something that I felt because I'm thinking, yes, I get it. Really, everybody's in this place where they're not quite sure then what side they're supposed to land on. Um, Now, I believe that the only way we can ever move forward, remember, I I mean, I said this uh, um, the other Wednesday when I talked, religion and spirituality is all about awakening. So whether it be Muslim, whether it be Buddhism, whether it be see any type of religion, the reason people connect to a religion is because for some reason they're wanting to find a deeper level of understanding about life, right? You wouldn't ask somebody, why did you join a religion? And they say, oh, it's because I want to come under some domineering law that some, no, that's not why people actually first get into a religion. They get into it because deep down, they want to believe that there's something about it that will bring more life to their being. And yet how sad, and I'll even throw this one in, that even Buddhism, and we can look at that with the meditation and clearing one's mind. Did you know that when Buddhism was first founded, meditating wasn't part of the original way it was done. That is something that they've added in. So we can see that all religions develop things on the basis of what they think is necessary. And when actually really the whole concept of spirituality is about being at oneness with yourself and learning to be alive. And we've got to get that back. And I think that here at The Rock, I think we really are doing a pretty good job, to be honest with you. So we don't want to stagnate, we want to be willing to ask questions, and ultimately what I'm going to bring to you tonight, I really hope you can take this away and have a good think. It might freak some of you out, some of you might already feel like you've, you've understood it, and that's fine, but again, don't be afraid to ask questions and have a think. Now one of the other points I'd like to give before I kind of start setting this out, I am not going to use Bible scriptures on the screen tonight. I'm not going to quote where I've read Now, some of you will be like, well, that's terrible. Here's the reason why I'm not going to. When Jesus came to earth and he started saying things that other people hadn't heard before, although he could back up certain things that were written in Old Covenant, there were then things that he said that hadn't yet been written to make any reference to, but he expected people to somehow listen to what he had to say. Now, I know that the point could come here, yes, but you're not Jesus. Well, I would like to say that I and the Father are one, and I would like to believe that the nature of the Father is within me, and that he can speak through me as a vessel, a humble vessel, because at the end of the day, all of us are God to one another. I might say some things wrong, and I might say some things right, but at the end of the day, it's about seeing that all of it is about the greater good of what we're trying to achieve. Does that make sense? So you can go away, and you can find the Scriptures probably to back up what I'm saying, or to possibly contradict what I'm saying tonight. Because remember, even as Chris said, there are scriptures that can be for and against everything. So, over the course of the series, I will be delivering the scriptures to start to show you that I do have some weight behind what I'm saying, but I'm not going to do that tonight. Because I want you to listen to it and somehow allow your spirit to hear what is being said. Because I think that can potentially be more freeing. All right? Now, 
the more that I grasp that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, it causes me to seriously reconsider many things that I have heard through the grapevine. It causes me to rethink everything I have read in Scripture. If Jesus is the exact representation of the Father, then would I be right in saying that the Father is also the exact representation of Jesus? One to think about. Whenever then I see or hear a God that does not somehow reflect the spirit of Jesus, it has to be questioned whether the whole thing has been misunderstood. Now that already will be quite hard for some of you to swallow. Do you understand where I'm coming from with that? So anything that we have heard or that we've read that somehow doesn't reflect what we see in Jesus, if Jesus and the Father are one, then it's not that we have to throw it out. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying we have to maybe reconsider what it is we have been told and what we have read through maybe a slightly blurry lens that's been infected by a lot of hand-me-downs, which is why I'm going to get onto the video that you watched in a second. Sad thing is, God, somehow, who was supposed to care about suffering and the justice of his people, has now become this God who is more bothered about the do's and don'ts and sending people to hell if they get it wrong. And I just can't quite reason with that because I'm not sure that that's the God that I feel like I know but it is a God that I was introduced to and somehow came under because, again, there were certain things going on that were telling me that that was what was correct. Christianity has become more of an insurance policy to get you into heaven rather than take you to hell. If you're looking for love and compassion, sometimes it's not the best place to be. Now, I don't believe that that was the intention behind any of what we have here at all. Now, you saw the video a minute ago. That's where I've got my idea of toxic whispers. You've all heard of a Chinese whisper, right? Now, apparently, you're not allowed to call it a Chinese whisper anymore. You have to call it broken telephone because it's politically incorrect. So I'll just throw that one out. Anybody who's watching in China, I do apologize, but I have, I have amended it. It is broken telephone. All right. So is everyone with that? I bet you didn't know that, did you? I am, I'm not joking. At, Margaret's like, really? And like, yeah, yes, so yes, it's now called broken telephone. So um, obviously the idea is, is that you start with something and it ends with something completely different. And let's be honest, we've all played it right. Some of the stuff at the end is very funny, isn't it? Very funny. And nothing like what was originally said. Now I believe, and the reason why I've called it toxic, something that's infected, I believe that the whole whisper thing has existed within the field of Christianity. That there's been lots of things that have been seen and heard, then whispered, then whispered, then whispered, then whispered, then whispered. Maybe a word has altered each time it's been said. And unfortunately, the thing that's come out of the end hasn't been particularly funny, I have to be honest. It's actually been a little bit depressing, really. Which is why we have to understand that at the beginning of every whisper started the truth. Is that not right? Therefore, thank God that at the start of this whisper, there's also the truth, which means that we can reclaim it, which is the exciting part. So again, everything I say tonight, there's hope behind it all. One of the ones I'm just going to briefly throw out, and I would like to preach on this, I just haven't quite 
decided when. Um, one of the things that, that's rife all over the world at the minute is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? A message that we haven't really touched on so much here, but it, it's, it's, pre- it's been preached particularly in America. And that particular part of the Bible is being used to discriminate. It's being used to exclude. Now, let me ask you the question. Do you know a God that excludes and discriminates? So, like what I said before about how we read things, we have to be very careful how we have read certain stories. I could tell you things about my research on the story of Sodom and Gomorrah that is never, ever said from the platform. That is never said. Now, again, I'm not here to say that what's being said is necessarily right or wrong. What I am saying is, more often than not, what is preached can be more down to that which we feel like we want to create to keep our own peace. And again, I've been guilty of it in the past too. Rather than speaking out of a place that says, right, if I'm going to bring this story, how in the end does it conclude? But, but inclusion, justice, forgiveness, mercy, inclusion, all of those great words, how do they become the result of the story? So again, I encourage you, some of these things that we hear, we've got to, again, take back to the, what do you call it? Take it back to the drawing board or whatever. Yeah, and realize that there is more going on, if that makes sense. Right. If God is love, then any theology, doctrine, scriptural reference that doesn't ultimately glorify the truth, this has to be challenged. Which brings me to part one of my message this evening. So we've got toxic whispers, part one, the bloodthirsty God. It's quite a horrible title, isn't it? Part one, the bloodthirsty God. Again, hashtag toxic whispers if any of you want to do any tweets. Now, I believe, and if you were there on the Wednesday night, you've heard some of the the grounding of this already, that one of the biggest deceptions and the biggest whispers that have created the biggest problem in the Christian message is one of sacrifice. I, am, I feel convicted. I feel like this is something that has caused a real problem. Now, we have sacrifice in the Old Testament, and then we have the sacrifice in the New, ultimately being finished off with Jesus. However, if we listen to the whispers of what the sacrifices meant in the Old Testament, being passed on from generation to generation, what we will find is what we believe about sacrifice in the new will still reflect what people were believing about sacrifice in the old. And that's then where the problem happens. So, I thought, have you ever heard of the law of first mention? Basically means if you're going to argue a point, you go back to when it was first, first found, when it was first founded. So I thought, okay, let's go back to the story of of Adam and Eve and let's have a look at what was kicking about, you know, in the garden. So we have Adam and Eve and we have a father. They decide to eat of the tree in order to be more godlike, knowing good and evil. They all of a sudden realize they are naked and hide from the father whom they once felt totally comfortable with. That's the story, right? Throughout this one, ask the question who had the problem at this point? Was it God or was it them? 
Notice here that it does not say that all of a sudden, humanity became vile, immoral, filthy, and pathetic human beings. Now, why have I worded that so graphically? For some reason, we can tend to walk around as if, like, people are awful. And just like that last song, I, I don't buy that. I, I don't buy that human, humanity is inherently evil. I, I really don't. I actually be, believe humanity is quite an adorable, beautiful, fantastic, gorgeous thing. And yet, we all can be guilty of walking around with our heads down. Oh, woe is me. It's because of the fall, etc., etc. I'm inherently bad because I sinned before the Father. And whether you use those words, actually, whenever we're downcast about our human state, that's actually really what we're believing. So again, sit there tonight feeling okay with yourself because you're actually quite nice. All of you. You are. <laughs> really, aren't we? Now, do you mean that? <laughs> You're being honest, Joel. Oh, dear. So, the very thing, now this is a really good point. The very thing that the father told them not to eat of, which was the tree of knowledge and good and evil, right, which would make their eyes open and be more like God. Why then does the church still feel that Teaching good and evil somehow helps you attain godliness. Because the very first thing that was said was, don't eat of that tree because it basically will bring good and evil to like good and evil. And yet then the very message that then is preached after the father said, don't eat of it, is the very thing that we now attain to holiness. So you can see how far we've got away from what originally he said, you don't, you don't want to be involved with all of that stuff. Now we read, again, you can find this, I'll, even, I'll give you the passage in Genesis 3. We read that Adam and Eve covered themselves with fig leaves once they're taken of the, of the fruit, which I think is interesting. I feel that that's man's first, first attempt at their own efforts. So they felt, oh, look at what we can achieve. We can stitch together our own covering. That was their first attempt at saying, look what I can do. I don't need God. I can find covering for myself. But after this, the father came into the garden, looking for them both, sees what's happened, says a bit of a spiel, which I'll get onto in a minute, and covers both man and woman with what? Animal skin. In order to what? Cover. Cover their nakedness. If you want to go away and read it, there is absolutely no mention here that the father killed an animal in order to forgive them of their transgression. Doesn't say it, okay? It says, and an animal was killed in order to use the skin to cover their nakedness. Here where I'm getting the whispers thing from, okay? Now I believe, like I said before, that this right here is incredibly toxic because what it's created is a thing in the way that we deal with people and the way we even view Christianity as a whole. Um, now, if you just watch, you know, that video that we just watched, what did it say at the beginning? It said, the most important thing in communication is hearing what isn't said, right? Ended up as tomatoes, 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 fridge. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, 
there's nothing similar, is there, at all? And it was only one line of people, and they ended up with tomatoes, 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 fridge. Unbelievable. So let me just show you what's happened here then. I'll use it practically, all right? Started with, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them, right? That's it. This is what the last person said. Okay, so what have we got then? God clothed Adam and Eve in skin in order that he could remind himself that justice had been carried out on an innocent victim in order for him to be satisfied with them and forgive their transgression. Wow. It's not quite what the original thing said, is it? So, summarizing what I just said, this is what it basically means. God needed to kill the innocent for the guilty to live. Just where you are right now, just think for a second. God needed to kill, needed to kill the innocent for the guilty to live. You have a think. I'm not going to expand on that anymore. Now, there's another throat we thought, throat? Apparently, we can throw out a throat. There's another thought we can throw out here. And again, some of you will, will be interested in this point. If the serpent, and if, I, if I'm right, I don't actually think it says that Lucifer was the serpent. It just says now the serpent was more craft, crafty than any other creature. So again, that would be an interesting one. So I, I assume that if the enemy is um, believed to be someone who deceives and causes death, it would make sense. So we'll, we'll go with that for now because I can't, I can't argue that point. Um, so if the serpent, Lucifer, okay, was originally an angel and he fell from heaven, some of you don't know the story, basically the devil as we know it used to be an angel called Lucifer, fell from heaven because he got hacked off with God because he'd got this idea of making humans and he was like, you're making humans higher than angels, I'm not happy with that. And there was this raging war and he fell from heaven, right? This one act of this angel that God made deceiving Adam and Eve would then mean that God had to demand sacrifice in order to forgive their sin forever. Right? Let me put it this way. If the devil, Lucifer, Satan, the enemy, was able to give birth to something that was able to change the very essence and nature of the father, who then is more powerful? Don't worry, it's good. It's good stuff, yeah? Who then is more powerful? We've got to ask these questions. Remember, and you're probably thinking what I thought when these things first came into my mind. The reason I'm asking the question is, if Lucifer, who is the devil, right, somehow managed to change the nature of God, that then actually takes away God being God. And we would say that God is all-powerful, the, he's the creator of all things. So again, that's why we can't view it from this perspective. We have to see things from another angle. Now, we firstly have to look at what the original root Hebrew word for sin is. Now, this is where it gets really exciting, right? Remember, Adam did not commit the breaking of a law as we know it today. There was no 10 commandments and there was no 613 laws, right? So when he took of the tree, he, he didn't commit a, a breaking of a moral code because there wasn't one. So even that's interesting because he broke something that was actually, you could say, not even 
there, so therefore we have to think, what then did it mean that sin entered the world? The root word for sin simply means this, and if you could put up the, type, the slide, please. To be forgetful or unconscious. That is the root Hebrew word for sin, which I think is awesome. Totally awesome. It excites me. So nakedness became a problem because in eating of the tree, the law of good and evil caused him to forget the character and nature of the father because of his now ability to measure himself. Simples. Oh, it's like the advert. Did you all think I heard the noise, that little squeak that does afterwards? Oh, that's really funny. It's amazing how words connect with something, isn't it? Oh dear. Isn't it interesting that when somebody tells you how great you are, right? So Simon could come up to me now and he could say, Joel, it's fantastic. You're great. You know, are you aware of blah, 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 blah? And in myself, I could believe he's talking an absolute bunch of baloney. Is he? Not necessarily. He might actually be very kind and very truthful. But if I'm measuring myself by my own concept of what I've achieved, whatever he says to me, it's not going to make the blindest squat of difference. Does that make sense? So the father can love you as much as you want, but if your measurement is now you, then <laughs> you've forgotten, haven't you? You've become unconscious to the reality of what the father thinks. And I honestly believe that the father, and this brings in my bloodthirsty part, the father did not kill the animal because he became a bloodthirsty, angry, vindictive God who needed to be appeased. I, do, I just do not believe that. And you'll see why I don't believe it in a second. We have taken a father's loving actions of something that was so beautiful that happened. And it's caused us to misperceive him through what we've, what we've um, understood from all these whispers. I hope this is making some sense. Now, we have believed that what happened that day in the garden was so incredibly offensive to the father that, you know, taking of this fruit, that all of a sudden then he required death as a payment for our sheer disgustingness. Now, forgive some of the words I'm using tonight, but I'm wanting to really just say it as we've interpreted it, okay? He from then on, listen to this, he from then on would go on a rampage, whipping out, wiping out entire cities because of their lack of righteousness. Again, it's not something that I could fully, fully back up yet, but again, we would have to have a look at it. Instead of a father that was gutted, absolutely gutted, because he knew that taking from that tree would make them so oblivious to really what he thought about them. He was gutted. Think of that word gutted. You know when you feel heart-wrenched inside that somebody just doesn't get it and you're like, oh. you know, you don't, need to, you don't need to have something killed in order to, you just, you're gutted, aren't you? You just think, oh, come on. Instead of a father that was gutted, we now view God as someone who requires retribution against us. And actually, he, that's not what he wanted. He was just very sad at what had happened. And so becomes a law that sacrifice was necessary in order for God to forgive us. If you can put up the next slide, please. I missed one of the slides out, but I'll go to the next one, please. Right. He became the father who would only forgive the guilty if the innocent was murdered. 
Actually, do you know what? I've missed one really key point. Could you just go back to the last slide because I've got to read this. Sin is the failure to remember and be conscious to that which is inherently good in both yourself and the Father. I'm sorry I missed that. If you're taking notes, get that one down because I think that's it's a good point. Sin is the failure to remember and be conscious to that which is inherently good in both yourself and the Father. Now, we've got a problem here. So when Jesus then comes, what happens, right? Now, this is where it gets interesting because we say he comes as God in the flesh. Am I right? Jesus comes as God in the flesh, was willing to be crushed under his own wrath for a people that he hated all in the name of appeasing himself. Get your head around that and you'll realize how ridiculous it sounds. It doesn't, it doesn't actually make any sense. It, it doesn't. And I think deep down, all of us know that, that when you read it, well, that can't be the message. But actually, that's what, to some degree, has been created by what we've been whispered along the way. We have heard through whispers that God had to take the life of Jesus in order for his wrath to be satisfied. Till on that cross where Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. Right? You all know the song. Now, if this is true, then we have to say that God doesn't really necessarily like us, but simply can now tolerate us because of the fact that he sees the cross. Again, that's not the father that I'm reading in the first part of the Bible. That's not what I see. So again, if, if what I'm saying doesn't work for you, help, you're going to need to help me because... There's, there's like, there's a conflict somewhere along the lines here of characters that, that needs to be kind of questioned. Right, we know that. Some of you will be asking at this point, but sacrifice is happening everywhere in the Old Testament. Yes, it is, and some of them I still can't get my head around. I was on the phone to Jenny the other night, met Connie. She said, yes, but what about this? She's right. There are stories that I still have still yet to, and I think I'm getting there, but still yet to fully understand how it all fits. But let's view it from this point for now, okay? Sacrifice does exist everywhere, but for whose sake? But for whose sake? We say God is love, but he's also just. But what that kind of does is present a God who kind of loves and hates at the same time. And again, We've got, to, we've got to question that. Now, I believe, and I strongly believe this, that we have made sin to be something more powerful than it is. If sin simply means to be forgetful and unconscious, and all of the other laws came in because of, to some degree, what humanity needed to feel good about themselves before a God that was actually more pagan than he was the God of the Bible, right? I believe that the whole concept of sacrifice was to do with actually what it was doing for us. It made us feel okay. You know, oh, at least I know that now I've been, my nakedness has been covered and I can see blood over there. I can actually now come out just for a second until I make another mistake and then I need to hide again because I need something else. I'm naked again. So, that, so we have this ongoing, tiring process in our lives that never stops, which I believe it needs to be eliminated. If you can put up the next slide, please. 
Uh, and the next one? Good. So let's look at it like this. Sin, which is forgetfulness and unconsciousness, does not change what the Father feels about us, but it does change what we feel about the Father. Now, I think that's fantastic. The issue of sin is to do with what goes on in our own heads. And I could give you a scripture right now that I found that says exactly that, that I've never seen before. And when I saw it, literally, you should have seen me. I was like, yeah. Because I thought, that, that makes sense. That's so fantastic. Forgetfulness and unconsciousness does not change what the Father feels about us, but it does change what we feel about the Father. We believe he needs our sacrifice because we have projected onto him something that was never there. Ask yourself the question now. Can eating a fruit, and it might be a fruit in your own life, of something, right, can that totally destroy the attitude of the Father towards you? Let's think logically. Can eating a fruit, piece of fruit, being deceived maybe because of ignorance and because of stupidity, because of the desperate need to look great, right? Can that one thing... I have made so many boo-boos. I nearly fell over then. I have made so many boo-boos in my life and my father has never done that to me. Never. Anthony Chapman has never cut me off. He has never re rebuked me. He has never been unkind. Yes, there has been words spoken. There has been conversation. But I've never been rejected. And if that's an earthly father who's got his own stuff to handle, how much more who... The very essence which is love, how much more, he, he cannot help himself but be for you. This is good news. It's good news. Every single one of you sat out there tonight is, is so loved and adored and, and honoured and respected as a human being that stands absolutely amazing before him. I'm even going to throw this, there is no issue there's no issue. He loves you. He cannot help himself but love you. Now, that doesn't mean you're not unconscious to the fact and that you're living your life like a complete and utter, complete and utter um, lunatic because you haven't got your head around it. Yeah? Now, if sin didn't affect the father, then who was the animal sacrificed for? The father was so loving, he covered their nakedness in order that they, in order that they could feel secure in his presence. Which brings me to the final section, and I really hope this has made some sense, and I hope you hear the good news in it, because I'm telling you, God, the whole concept of, I'm even gonna say the Trinity, it's quite an old school word, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, is more breathtaking and more huge more massive than we are in our tiny little minds and the way that we've whispered to each other has created. And I feel, I feel sad for God's sake that somehow we've done it such a disservice. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just so exciting. And actually what it does is it gives you the right to live as somebody who's quite nice and okay and, and lovely. 
So, again, the argument would be here. Did the father curse Adam and Eve? Can't deny it. It's there. It's written. He curses them. Again, go away and read what he says because I read it again today and it's not quite as um, big as what I remember it to be when I was younger. I mean, I remember, who remembers the tube? Come on, some of you were here. Come on, hands up. Can you not remember when um, he went, Adam, and it was really loud because, and then he actually did the, the thing from the, the scripture that was in Genesis 3. I remember that just seemed to go on forever. <laughs> to me, I was sat there thinking, wow, this is a long curse. I, and I did, I'm being serious, I was quite young at the time. And yet I went back and read it and actually, <laughs> to me, what I got from it, I'll be honest. Okay, now you're going to measure yourself, you lunatic. You've now got to go out and dig the land and do it yourself because that's what you want. That's the law that you've chosen. So you're going to have blood, sweat and tears digging up what you could have potentially I could have been working with you on, but now, okay, fair enough. You've forgotten who I am, and until basically you come back to that reality, you're going to have to go and toil the ground. That's what I read. One that I've got to throw in there, sorry women, you know, this pain with childbirth. So that's maybe not very great for you. But other than that, it was a... Uh, do you know what you say? It's worth it in the end. Yeah, you see, there you go, you see. So again, something that is a curse... You could potentially say it brings forth life, doesn't it? So, but again, like I say, read it and it's not actually as, as mammoth as what we think. Now, go away and read it again, Genesis 3. If you can find out where it says anything about hell or eternal punishment, then please do let me know because I haven't found it yet. Hell's not mentioned. Eternal punishment is not mentioned. It's not mentioned. All it says is, get out of the garden, Go work for yourself. It, that is literally what he said. I'm not joking. You can read it, right? So nothing about hell, nothing about eternal punishment. So let me ask you the question. What God said to them, was it the judgment of God or was it simply the consequence of believing a lie? I don't believe the curse was a judgment of God at all. I believe God was simply saying, You've now chosen a way that unfortunately kind of works like this, but I'm still here. However, you've now triggered a law. We'll call it the law of sin and death because that's, that is actually what it says. You've triggered a law that's going to make it quite hard for you now to understand who I am because of your desperate need to measure yourself. That's basically what was happening. But ask yourself the question, was it judging or was it simply a consequence? It will very quickly reveal to you how you view the Father. Very quickly reveal to you. If you think he was judging them, that's the Father you serve. Now, thank God, thank Father, that I'm finally getting to the place in my life where I realize that <laughs> the love that's there is just so mammoth. And I, I just think it's incredible. I really do. All that was declared by the Father before they took of the tree was this. He says something to them. He says, when you eat of the tree, you will what? You can say it out loud. Surely die. Did they die? They didn't, did they? So what did he mean by that when he said you will surely die? 
didn't say you will be cut off from my love. It said you will surely die, right? Now, another one that's an interesting point. If God knew, here's a good, good one that you can take away and you can have a thing. If God knew that basically man would sin, right? He didn't warn him of the impending danger of hell and eternity in hell fire for his sin, which I think then is not very kind. Because if he was actually did know all along that Adam was going to basically take of the tree, then why would he not forewarn him of ultimately what the result of the taking of the tree? Okay, when you eat of that tree, you're not only going to die, but basically, unless you get it all right and every sacrifice is made at perfect time, basically hell will be the impending danger. Eternity. and it, It's not discussed actually, which suggests there wasn't as much going on at that point as what we've made there to be, right? Again, this is, this is really exciting stuff. It wasn't a game. There were simply two trees next to each other, which man decided that he wanted to take of, and it, developed, it created a consequence. I do not believe for one minute the curse was a punishment, but simply what Paul called, again, quoting, the law of sin and death. Now, we've used that scripture in church for years, and I ever heard the law of sin and death, I panicked. And I thought, dear Jesus, if I'm in that, what do I do? Like, is Jesus, is Jesus enough? Like, am I okay? Or when I get to the gates, will he remember one thing that I've... And, and I'm not kidding you when I say that. I worried that my name wasn't going to be in the Lamb's Book of Life. I worried all the time. I was afraid. Now, so let's take the law of sin and death and put it through the sieve of what we've understood this evening. This is what it actually means. The law of forgetfulness and separation. So how many of us live under the law of sin and death quite often? Exactly. It doesn't mean that you're some sort of corrupt, horrible human being. It means that you are living under the law of forgetfulness and separation. Forgetfulness from what? The Father. Separation from what? The Father. Now, when I'm talking about separation, I'm talking about from your side. He can't force his love upon us. We have to choose to believe that it exists and that actually it's genuine, it's authentic, and it's there. And more often than not, we'd rather go our own way and dig the ground, wouldn't we? Our forgetfulness and separation has made us come up with all sorts of stupid concepts in order to get back into right relationship with God. One of these has included sacrifice. So let me ask you these questions just to start to wrap it up. Have we yet met the ungodlike God seen in Jesus? Have you met him? I think I'm starting to meet him now. I'm starting to understand who he is the one who gives, the one who redeems, the one who forgives, the one who restores, the one who loves. The original message is heard and then miscommunicated through the toxic whisper, through generation and generation. By the time Jesus then shows up, people's view of the Father is literally all over the shop. <laughs> Have you heard this about the Father? Have you heard this about the Father? It says this, right? I mean, you can, you can see it, can't you? Actually, it even says when Jesus turned up to places, they all started like whispering. Now, I find that quite amazing that the Pharisees started going, who is this? Quite amazing, really. So his reputation, bless his heart, 
as a loving father, has now really kind of totally just <laughs> dropped flat by the time that he has to send himself as Jesus. Which throws out my question. If God never required sacrifice, and again, I can back this up with numerous scriptures, which I will next time I speak with you, and it was never for his sake, but man's. Now, don't freak out. Then when Jesus came, we need to ask the question, what did he die for, and did God require it? It's a question to think about. And I'm telling you, the whole thing of Jesus to me now is even more powerful. It's, it's getting better, not less. Let me put it that way. Like, even when I was on the phone to Jenny the other day, and I said, oh, you know, we've said it like this, but I, th- I think we're even going to this now. And, you know, we're thinking, yes, this is just brilliant. So, if God's response to Adam was one of mercy right from the start then our views of atonement might now need to change a little bit as we walk the journey. So let me summarise it before I just play you a movie clip to finish off. Number one, if Jesus and the Father are one, you have to question, you have to, what we have been told and what we have read and what we've possibly understood and misunderstood we have to accept that there are definitely questions that need to be asked, all right? Some of you might not want to ask them and that's okay as well, but open your heart to maybe think, yeah, I've believed that before, but you're right. If Jesus was the exact representation of the Father, what does that imply? What does that really imply? Number two, you have to be prepared to not just buy a toxic whisper but listen to your spirit, which I believe is the heartbeat of Jesus. Listen to the source within you. Number three, this will free us from our depraved viewpoint about our humanity and realize that we have forgotten that we are sons. It's time to wake up and remember who the Father is. Thank you.